Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Leah Elaine Hanley is a New York City Department of Education music teacher. In her 15-plus years teaching in the Bronx, she has taught strings, music technology, and core music for grades K through 8. Mrs. Hanley is the founding and current director of the Salute to Music Bronx Orchestra and the orchestra program at MS 180 in Co-op City. Her leadership roles include lead mentor for the Paul Simon Fellows Program, as well as facilitator for Connected Arts Network and Citywide Music. Mrs. Hanley's academic interests include music teacher mentorship, development of CRSE music curriculum, and the role of instructional technology in teaching and learning music. Leah lives in Harlem with her gorgeous husband and enjoys a good brunch, a walk in the park, and performing as a violinist with the great musicians in New York City. So this week, I am very excited uh, to welcome to our podcast, Leah Hanley. Uh, I first met Leah, I don't know, more than 10 years ago as a student, uh, a fellow student at Teachers College, Columbia University. And I've had the uh, privilege and honor of visiting Leah in her school uh, up there in the Bronx at MS 180. Um, and just completely impressed with the program that, that uh, you've built there. And I'm very happy that you've agreed uh, to come on to our podcast. So welcome, Leah. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. All right. So why don't you give us the thumbnail sketch of your career? I think other music teachers love hearing how other people got to where they are. So start out like how you got interested in music and and end, uh, you know, how you got uh, your gig and how long you've been at uh, MS 180 in the Bronx. Sure. It's kind of a dangerous question to ask because <laughs> I, I, I think my career actually began in the womb. There you um, go. <laughs> my mom is a music teacher. Oh, cool. Um, so I blame her. <laughs> um, basically, along the time, about the time I was three, my mom goes, you know, there's this new thing called Suzuki and maybe I want to learn. Maybe I want to be licensed as a Suzuki piano teacher. Let's like, you know, use my daughter as a guinea pig. And uh, awesome. she signed me up for Suzuki violin lessons when I was three. So um, I didn't have much choice in the matter, but obviously that stuck. And um my uh, first teaching experience, I always say, was in the second grade because my mom was my music teacher. Right. And she was sick one day and uh, my class had music. So she calls me over to her bed and she's like, your class can just play these games and have a good day. Bye. And so I taught the class that day. So I always say I started oh, wow. playing violin at three and teaching at seven. Now, where did um, you where did you grow up, Leah? That's also a complicated. OK, there question. you go. <laughs> I'm a North Karateki Okiyan worker. Um, oh my goodness. I know my family moved a lot. All right. I, I was actually really blessed because um, my family always valued music education. So everywhere we went, um, 
it, the first question before we looked for a house is, uh, what is the music program in the school like? And we never moved into a neighborhood that didn't have an excellent music education. Awesome. So I was really blessed that that was prioritized mm -hmm. all the way through my growing up, along with private instruction and, you know, summer camps and youth orchestras and all that. Right. So um, I was kind of I, I was equally interested in both teaching and performing as I entered my undergrad. I did my undergrad at CCM, the Cincinnati College Conservatory of Music. Oh, cool. Yeah, they're the only place that had, the only conservatory that had a double major in music education. And oh, I wow. really wanted that. Yep. So um, after, I, because I, I was still wanted to, you know, pursue my performing career. So I found my way to New York. I was determined not to be a full-time music teacher. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I wanted to do the performing thing. And I found... Um, a nonprofit organization called Education Through Music. And at ah. that time in the city, teaching artists were really, really big, yep. um, more so than full-time music teachers. So I became a teaching artist with Education Through Music part-time um, while I was continuing to work on my performing career. And when I landed, I, I did bounce around to several schools and, and I had a great relationship with them. When I landed at their very first middle school, their very first middle school was MS-180, I really found a home there. Mm -hmm. And I fell in love with the middle school age. I fell in love with the community. I, I discovered really with ETM for the first time, I discovered what it was like to go into a school that had never had a music program or had never had a strings program specifically. They may have had some kind of music, but not, not the string um, instruments. I have always grown up with that. So I never knew it was like to be somewhere that didn't. Right. And to see the difference in the students from the time we started that program to the end of the first year, the change in them, like what it did for them personally, um, educationally, what it did for the culture of the school. I just fell in love with that mission. Right. And so I stayed there and I said, I'm going to go whole hog. I jumped all the way in. Um, and now I'm a full-time department of ed music teacher. <laughs> and I do still play perform, but it's, um, 10% of my attention is on performing and 90% of it's really on teaching the, my students. Right now, Leah, because I first met you at Teachers College. How does Teachers yeah. College come into play with with that aspect of your career? Well, you know, in order to maintain your license, you have to get a master's degree uh, right, at some right, point. Right. And I did manage. I I really think the best thing for any kind of master's um, is to put it off as long as possible. And I think here, here, <laughs> I think you just get a lot more out of it when you have some years of experience under your belt. Yep. Um. I was able to go into my master's like really like knowing the questions I wanted to ask and the 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 areas I wanted to explore um, and, and dive deep into what I knew was next for me. I feel like um, if you if you I hate this idea you have to have your master's within five years. Yeah, um, it should be within ten. Yeah, I really think so. Um, I, I think you just get much more out of it. So I was really fortunate because I worked for a nonprofit first. Um, I hadn't activated my license. All right. It oh, allowed me to cool. delay that. And I was also going, do I want to be a, do I want a master's in performance? Do I want a master's in ed? You know, so it, once I, I, I made the plunge, I was able to really establish what I wanted my master's to look like. And I was very glad to be with you and uh, <laughs> to have that great music tech class. This has been really um, a, a life changing, a pedagogy changing experience mm. for sure. 
Yeah, um, first of all, a couple of things, if I can. Number one, um, when I went to teacher's college, I had taught for a couple of years before I went in. Yeah. And I've been teaching there now. This is year 24, 23 or 24 that I've been teaching there. And students like yourself, I remember people like you vividly because you're engaged from day one. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah. The people that have been in the classroom, even for two or three years, like are nodding their heads with everything you're saying, whereas the vast majority of my students, whom I love, um, mm -hmm. uh, just have no idea what I'm talking about. None. Right. Like when I say when a kid like you know how to solve classroom management problems like disciplines when the, when kids are cursing at you or don't want to do what you've asked them to do and they yeah. look at you with these pie-eyed you know eyes going what are you talking about <laughs> we we did anyway it's i think you've made a very uh, very good point and and education through music for those uh listeners who are not familiar they're in a couple of different cities i know they're in los angeles and new york city um i've been working Denver. And Denver, there you go. Mm -hmm. um, and really I think they just started in Boston also. We're oh, adding Boston cool. now. Yeah. Can you just give like a real quick idea of what Education Through Music does? Sure. Um, Education Through Music's mission is to basically jumpstart music programs in schools that do not have them mm -hmm. or have significantly underfunded or under-resourced them. Um, and that's true in a lot of urban environments. I, I think a lot of people are unaware that when you go to New York City schools and you walk into a New York City school, nine times out of 10, there is not a music program there at all. That's correct. Absolutely. Um, it's horrible. Um, so you need to you need to somehow jumpstart that. So they provide funding and uh, resources to start programs, but they also say, well, it, this doesn't help if we throw money at a problem. We need a teacher who is who has resources themselves. So they provide right. a lot of professional learning for their teachers and they really guide their teachers through those first few years, um, helping them establish a program. And the, the goal, the ultimate goal is that then the school, once they're up and running, will be able to take that teacher on as a full-time teacher in their school that's supported. It, it just needs a jump start and somebody to set up the program properly. Um, and the I would say that the training I received from education through music was invaluable in yep. my first few years. And I've really enjoyed being able to continue working with them, providing some mentorship and help to the next generation. Oh, of that's great. Coming in, so. One of the things I love about the organization and the, one of the reasons I asked you to talk about them is that they know urban education extremely well, intimately. Yeah. So getting that kind of training and, and, and I love I think I asked you before we 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 started recording, did you convert? Uh, you know, meaning, meaning, because I know that ETM has a lot of teachers who start out as an ETM employee and then become Department of Ed employees, and that's just a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I think it's a great uh, mission and organization. Yeah, I would also add that the advantage from the teacher's perspective to that is that if you get into a school and it's not the right fit, you have a few, they can place you in a few different schools until you find your your place. Right. Which if you just get hired by school XYZ, the, the opportunity to find your place and to move around is really limited. Um, you're usually kind of stuck there. Mm -hmm. So that was, was great for me because I, I didn't know that middle school was my jam until I got there. <laughs> exactly. So Aaliyah, you teach in a, in the Bronx and for mm -hmm. anyone that lives outside of New York city or the New York Metro area, 
other than the New York Yankees, um, a lot <laughs> of people have this kind of stereotypical image of the Bronx as being a very scary place. Yeah. Um, it, I find that, yeah, there are some neighborhoods where you feel like, okay, this is probably not somewhere, somewhere where I'm going to leave my keys to my car running. Um, right. but, but for the most part, the Bronx is a really lovely place. Uh, yes. Some of the most beautiful parts of New York City are there. So before we talk about your music program at MS 180, why don't you just talk about the you know, where it is in the school population, what kind of kids are you teaching? Sure. Um, I echo that the Bronx is actually really beautiful. Yes. And the Bronx Zoo, obviously one of the best zoos in the country and the Bronx Botanical Gardens yeah, is my absolutely favorite. My gorgeous. Favorite. I mean, it's just really beautiful. We're not that far from the Botanical Gardens. Mm -hmm. um, co-op, I teach in Co-op City. It's yep. in the very Northeast corner of the Bronx. So like you drive 10 minutes and you're in Westchester. Yep. Um, it says far north and east as you can get. Um, our population, I mean, 100% of my students are either of African-American descent or Hispanic. Mm -hmm. um, I have, we have a large Caribbean island population. Uh, we are good, have a growing community of West African um, oh, cool. population. Cool. Yep. Uh, it's a really lovely community. Co-op City was founded initially as like a, a garment industry workers co-op. Oh, so, interesting. Yeah, it's completely self-contained. Uh, they have their own power plant and everything. Uh, they have their own police force. Um, you can buy, this is what's interesting, it's, it's government subsidized housing there. So you buy in um, at $30,000, $40,000 for an apartment, but you can oh, only wow. sell at what you bought it at. So oh, cool! That's your equity cool. doesn't go up, but you own. It, it so avoids gentrification, and it avoids yeah. gentrification, which is fabulous. Yeah. Awesome! So it's a really cool community. Um, we tend to have a lot of uh, blue-collar kind of parents that like make a decent living. You know, yep. middle class. Um, a lot of electricians, a lot of home health care workers, you know, yep. um, really involved parents. It's a fabulous community. Yeah, no, I visited uh, your school, I think twice, and I, or maybe even more than that, I and absolutely love it. So tell us, Leah, about your, your specific teaching duties at MS 180, and then maybe the entire music department offerings, just so people get a, an idea of what's going on there. Sure. Well, lately, I am teaching strings, string orchestra and only string orchestra. That has not been always the case. Right. Um, there are actually seven arts that students can elect to be a part of, but once they elect in sixth grade, they are there for three years. Okay. So the seven are band, orchestra, chorus, music technology, theater, dance, and visual art. Oh, cool. Yeah. Theater. I, so, That's really yeah. cool for middle school. That's awesome. And we, our facilities are really, really wonderful. Um, my only complaint has been that, you know, you choose the one art. We offer seven, but from the student's perspective, they only get one. Oh, I see. So, yeah, yep. But one thing we've been able to institute in the last um, couple of years is the, a rotation. So when students first come to us in sixth grade, they have the opportunity to try all seven arts. Very And cool. then they choose at the end. And we provide an assessment at the end of each one. So we frame it like it's an audition. Um which gives us an excuse if there's really a, some kid has like put in the, you know, yes. that's really a bad fit. It gives right, us a right, chance right, to right. do a wiggle room. But for the yeah. most part, kids get their first choice, um, which is what we want. We want them to like what they're studying. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have, um, I, I see my students about four times a week, uh, eighth grade, only three times a week because they take Spanish. Um, it, the way the schedule works out. Right. Um, 
And uh, I try to see them in small groups at lunchtimes when I can. Uh, but, you know. Uh, Life gets in the way. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It does. I have two sections per grade. Um, I It makes my classes really small. I would prefer to combine them. But again, scheduling, it just right. is what it is. Yep. And how many other music teachers are there and what are they what are they offering? So there are four of us total. Oh, cool. Um, including me. Uh, there's a band teacher and we share both an office and a locker room storage kind of situation. Right. Uh, there's a choral teacher um, and there's a music technology lab. Now I used to teach the music, the music technology lab used to be like a shared rotation amongst all the music teachers. And I used to teach as part of that rotation. Mm -hmm. um, and that, but now it has become a dedicated major uh, for wow, students cool. to choose. So very cool. I like it both ways. <laughs> So you're teaching basically middle school orchestra, middle school string orchestra in what what I lovingly call the boogie down. Yes. How, lo how long have you How long have you been there? Uh, fourteen years. Wow. Yeah. All right. You know, I got to <laughs> tell so you. Old. No, no, but you know what's wonderful about what what you just said is that what happens very often in inner city schools is that music teachers use an inner city school as a stepping stone to the suburbs yeah. um, for higher paying, um, you know, what is perceived as quote unquote better gigs. And yeah. the kids when and I will be, I'll admit it, I started out in the inner city. I did not, uh, in where I started, the administration was so bad, I couldn't see myself working there yeah. on, any, on any, on one more day kind of basis. Um, I love the kids. I could not stand the bureaucracy. I could not stand the administration. And it was really depressing. And I said, I can't do this. But I know that my kids were absolutely heartbroken when I left. And yeah. what, what a lot of these kids feel, I, I'm sure you'll agree, is that, you know, th they get to know a teacher, they get to love a teacher, and then that teacher just leaves. Um, and yep. it's a really heartbreaking thing. So to hear that you've been there for 14 years, I, my hat's off to you. I, I think that's an absolutely wonderful thing. And I know that you are getting just as much out of teaching them as they are being in your class. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Uh, fabulous. So let's shift the, the, the thing a little bit to the technology thing, which is why, why I'm here. Uh, and that's to see, like, what are you doing with technology with your middle school string students? Are you using technology with them? Oh, yes. I use technology right. every day. <laughs> All right. So what, what kind of stuff are you doing with them? Okay. Well, um, I have, uh, where, to, where to begin? Mm -hmm. I do, I could never, ever teach without a smart board at the front of my room. I, I actually have a Promethean board, but I just kind of call it a smart board, like yep. the way we call uh, Kleenex. Exactly. Um, <laughs> I could not teach without that. I've been doing that for years. Um, I always start, they walk in, there's, it's always going. The smart board is always going. It goes throughout. Um, but what I've really enjoyed engaging in, uh, especially since the pandemic, I was trying this before the pandemic, but since the pandemic, I've, it, everything's accelerated, um, is really having kids log in to have an individualized experience when they mm -hmm. walk in the room. Yep. So I now have, yay, a computer laptop cart in Fabulous. my room. Fabulous. I have 36 computers that students could use wow. at all times. Um, yes. And because we all have Google Classroom now, they log into Google Classroom and there I have a Google Classroom for them that connects to music first and away we go. Oh, that's um, fabulous. 
So I have, I've really enjoyed two aspects really, uh, that I, that I use, uh, this is what technology is for to me. Right. The first is, um, efficiently allowing for individual assessment because I don't have a moment to waste. Like, yeah. you know, there's not a moment to waste. We can't waste rehearsal time. So I'm trying my best to have students without downtime from the moment they enter to the moment they leave my room. Yep. There's yep. not a moment wasted. So they can all log in and they can get an assessment done. And by the way, you can actually do a fairly accurate playing assessment with everybody doing it in the room at the same time. It's astonishing. Wow. I mean, it's not perfect. Right, right, It's not right. perfect, but it will give you enough of an idea. Um, I, I'm astonished that the microphone on this Chromebook is good enough that you can actually differentiate and see uh, wow. what's happening there. Very cool. Um, so that 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 individual assessment that's already automatically graded from the time they hit submit, brilliant, not a wasted moment. Right. And then the ability to differentiate based on that. So uh, based on the assessment, right? right so right, right, right. Um, when my students log into their classroom, they have, you know, a, a, I have a bunch of stuff posted for them, but I'm only assigning certain things to certain kids. So the kids who really need help, they really need remediation. They come in and they do note naming drills on musictheory.net, for example. And right. my kids who are rock stars log in and they're doing level five sight reading factory, yeah. um, you know, and, and everybody's learning something all at the same time. That is, I, I that's my dream. Um, so I, I think probably when it comes to repertoire um, in the, in the ensemble classroom, the thing I've done the most is when I first introduce a piece of music, we, uh, it's on the smart board. We are all listening to it. We're all watching it. We see right. performances. We may discuss it. Okay. We may learn four measures of it. And then they have a computer and on their computer is me doing how-to videos of the hardest measures step-by-step step. Mm -hmm. um, me doing playthrough videos. So I play every part. I've got the MIDI running in the background so you can hear it, but I'm also playing it on top of it. And the sheet music is scrolling across the bottom wow. so they can play along. Awesome. And then I post a link to the practice first. Um, everything is right. digitized. So depending on where they are, maybe they're watching a how-to video and they're playing along with me and they're learning how to do that hard measure. Maybe they are logged in and playing with me beginning to end, or maybe they're going and playing independently on practice first and getting real-time feedback. And no one is wasting any time. There is a hundred percent engagement when we do that. That is absolutely, first of all, rock star, right? So for you to sit there and make all those videos, you know, I hope Gotten fast at it. <laughs> I know, but you're, I, I mean, I hope you're doing it during school time because you could spend all night, you know, making all those kind of resources for your kids. Oh yeah. Well, I've gotten, I've gotten really quick. I'm basically the first time I play through a piece, I record it. And and I and I've learned I've learned enough sh shortcuts that I can churn those out in one day. I can churn out every part wow. in one day now. Uh, but awesome. in the beginning, definitely not. <laughs> you know, it's it's everything you just said. I was I was teaching my class at TC last night, and I was talking about this very topic about wasting time, and that that no music teacher on the planet will you ever hear say, you know, I have more than I have so much time with my kids. I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you're using it um, 
exactly as I would recommend it to anyone, which is really to help those kids when they get to rehearsal that you don't have to say, this is how you play this note. Can you please oh. practice it now? Right. They're, re they're actually rehearsing music they already partially know or fully know by the time they're getting there. And they're doing that outside of the precious rehearsal time that you have. I think I was a middle school band and orchestra director for 15 years in New Jersey public schools. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that made me start turning gray, lose my hair, get really <laughs> stressed out was that I, I didn't have anything to keep the kids engaged between the rehearsals. So therefore, yeah. when they came to rehearsals, it was like starting fresh every time with them. Yes. And maybe some of maybe 10% of what they had learned in the previous rehearsal three days ago uh, was remembered. Was retained. And yeah. so, you know, you're always fighting this like, you know, three steps forward and two steps back every single rehearsal. So uh, hats off to you for for using it that way. I've recommend I recommend that to everybody. So you you know I didn't you can please please uh, back me up on this Leah I didn't say, tell you to say that before we got on oh this. no 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 all right all right so <laughs> I, I just that's that's absolutely fantastic so um, this will probably be either the last time or the hopefully one of the last times I'm going to ask the next question which is about the pandemic because I think everybody's just sick of tired they've got a little PTSD because of it oh, but totally. what I'm not I'm not asking what you did during it but I'm asking instead Leah what is your program like now because I heard so many horror stories of people like you know my program's going to be destroyed I, I'm out I'm going to retire early I, I'm, I'm I don't want to see what's on the other side but here in New York I I I think you would agree that we we all feel like we're on the other side of it, whether or not yeah. we are is another story. But what <laughs> is your music program like now? And, and, and what was the impact? Well, I mean, I had kids, my kids that are in eighth grade now actually began studying their instruments remotely when right. they were in the sixth grade. Right. So uh, for those students, it's still very much a struggle and yep. it's like they're at the beginning. Yep. So I'm approaching this year with, we're just at the beginning. Right. I am not going to try and be where I was in 2019. Right. I'm going to be where I was 14 years ago when I founded this program. And my sixth, seventh and eighth graders are all going to combine and play together. We're not going to aim for anything larger than level two, because what I need to give my students right now is success. Yep. Because yep. what they felt is failure for the yep. last two years, three oh, years. Here, here. That is so important what you just said. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, no, it I is. Mean, that's that's the, like you look at the, you think you can just see that they're discouraged. Yep. And I think specifically for the kids that started when they were online, they never learned. They never had the honeymoon period with their instrument. They right. never had that in ensemble experience where like, okay, let's play together. Are you ready? <gasps> Duh. And it's like. Right. Oh the angels and the, you right, know, they yep. never had that. So they're like, what am I doing this for? You know? Um, I, I so we got to give them that feeling of success so that they have that buy-in and, and they'll come, they'll, they, they're not going to try until they feel success to start with. And that's always the, that's always the tightrope we walk as instrumental teachers, um, to give them success in the beginning yep. when it sounds like fingernails on a chalkboard. How yep. do you do that? Um, so I think the biggest question for me is how do I leverage all the tools that I learned in 
in the pandemic, when we were on lockdowns, how do I leverage that to maximize what we now have, which is time together? Right. Um, and I, I think the differentiating is really the key Absolutely. because I do have students that they can really play. They can really sight read. They can work hard. They have practice habits. I have, I have, I have kids that are probably at a level four, a NISMA level four right now. Wow. So that like think, you know, Vivaldi, A minor concerto kind right. of stuff. And I have kids in the same class sitting next to that kid who cannot identify a single pitch on the staff. Yep. Uh, so I just have to do what can I, what, what can we do together that makes us all feel good? So I'm writing highly differentiated parts. I'm giving them different assignments. I'm doing everything that I can. And then I need their individual work to stay one step ahead of what we do as an ensemble. And then yep. we have a kumbaya ensemble moment at least once a week. And then as we get further down the road, we'll have more and more of those uh, because the students will be able to do more. So I'm just I'm just saying, OK, we're all beginners. We're all beginners. And I have a few rock stars and my rock stars. I'm going to give them some things to keep, you know, butter their paws. Yep. Um, and butter I can do paws. that. That's <laughs> what it is. I could do that with the technology that I mean, that's what's great about just like, OK, this is too easy for you. Like, go on practice first and look up Bocchello Suites. See you next year. Yep. You know. <laughs> yep. No, and, and and if I can just kind of unpack a couple of things you just said, because I really hope that there are young teachers out there and old teachers and somewhere in the middle teachers who've been kind of discouraged. Um, mm. You know, the to me, if I was back in my middle school this year after having experienced what so many other music teachers have, um, I'd be the Pied Piper. Right. I would be so, you know, like so enthusiastic to get the because really, you know, you start you're you're young, Leah. You've got another. Oh, I don't know about that. How well, long you know, we know each other? I know. But you know what I'm saying? We've got we've got a long way to go before yes. we retire. So, yes. you know, you got to get through it and you say, well, how am I going to how am I showing up to work every day excited um, to do this when I've had everything I've worked for over the last 14 years for you kind of taken five years back and now I'm kind of starting over again. I think the right mindset and it's very much a mindset is okay. Uh, that, you know, it's, I've always said to my kids, it's not in life. It's not about what happens to you. It's how you deal with it. Mm, and it's yeah. this kind of, you know, I love to hear that you're writing, you know, differentiated parts. That's what technology is like absolutely perfect for so that you can just quickly get something to say, look, play the downbeat of every measure, uh, right. play, play the first, you know, the first and third beat of every measure. And as you get, you, you know, it's kind of like that, um, that's the, the kind of the jump in mentality. Like, let's just start playing yeah, uh, and, and play something because that, that experience that the angel sound that you just said earlier is truly important for these kids right now, being together in a room, making music and feeling like they're part of something special. Yeah. That's so, the heart of it. Yeah, absolutely. So what kind of, so your students are primarily doing the types of activities you just described. You're using practice first for differentiated instruction, mm -hmm. using it to get them sort of, are you doing any, this is a, you know, and I don't know the answer to the question. So I'm, you know, obviously <clears throat> I'm asking it, but during the, during the pandemic, <clears throat> a lot of teachers couldn't do performance type things. So they, they explored creativity, mm -hmm. explored music learning. 
Are you doing any of that? Or are they doing that in their music technology classes and other classes? Did any well, of it like, did any of it bleed through into the, into the now? And like you said, this was such a cool project. I think I'll keep it. I have always done a little bit of music writing with my students. Um, I've, I've, I feel like if you, it's like, it's like reading and writing in, in ELA, right? right. Like you, it goes both directions. So I think it's really important for the students to also write music. So yeah, we all, we do that, but I, um, because I don't want to waste a moment and because I know my students aren't practicing the way I would like them to, right. uh, we're always writing from the instrument and we're improvising from the instrument, um, and doing a lot of ear training. I do a lot with Aurelia too, yeah. by the way, and, and musician, um, and I used to have them using Note Flight initially, um, mm -hmm. and then I just found some kids. I, I, I can well, man, boy, did I discover the next Beethoven that way just with right. my Note Flight project that I did, and that was pre-pandemic. Right. Um, he's at Laguardia High School now. I mean, like oh, that very kid. Cool. That awesome. kid is like he is a composer for the ages, and I didn't teach him any of it, but I discovered it when I gave them a Note Flight project. Right. But aside from that, kid, I found that there were so many buttons and knobs, if you will, with yep. Note Flight that I I was spending too much time teaching technology and not enough time teaching the music. Creativity, right, right. Yeah. Right. So um, we do that stuff more by hand. Okay, that's great. Uh, these days, uh, just because I don't want to, we already have enough programs that, <laughs> that I don't want to yeah. take the time to like learn the interface. Got it. Can, um, I, can I just back you up to Aurelia? Yeah. because? When I had to teach middle school strings, and you'll probably sympathize with me a little bit, I'm a tuba player. Right. And when they and when they said in the interview, "Oh, by the way, do you teach strings?" I was like, "Of course." God you know, bless you. I, you know, I, I'm certified. Of course, I'm a certified <laughs> music teacher. And then I immediately started taking violin lessons. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I found really difficult to do from a from a, a wind player working with string players is teaching them how to tune themselves. So I, uh -huh. I and, and I probably have said this to you before, but I just want to say it out loud because it's a funny story. The way I used to tune my middle school students was grab the violin out of their hands and do it for them. <laughs> right? Oh my God. Try teaching a kid how to tune remotely on Zoom. Oh, ah. Brutal, brutal. <laughs> but so I I used to sit every summer at, in on the beach wherever I was going, what am I going to do about what am I going to do to improve myself as a teacher? And one year I said, you know what? I'm going to teach my string kids how to tune themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing to play a, an A off your tuner and go, okay, kids, tune. The kids are like, they look at you like, what are you talking about? And <laughs> I found in Aurelia the tuning exercises. It is the best thing ever. Uh, all right. So I want exercises. I want every string teacher that's listening to this to try this. If you go to the Aurelia um, first version or the full version, in the first version, go to music, uh, I think it's called Aurelia first intermediate and go to like level three or four. And there's a slider where the kids have, they hear a, a, a reference note and then they hear one note out of tune and they have to change the second note until it's in tune. And I, I did it one time with my students. We, we, we said, we're not going to do our small group lesson. We're going to go into the lab and you're going to do this. And I taught them lefty, loosey, righty, tighty. And they're like, okay. And then I was like, you know, lefty, loosey means it's sharp and you have to loosen it. Righty, tighty means it's flat and you have to tighten it. I was talking about the fine tuning. Right. Pegs. And these kids, they did it. They figured it out in, in, you know, 10, 20 minutes of drill and practice with that exercise specifically. 
And even though at the time Aurelia, much more expensive than it is now, was worth every penny because all I never had to teach the kids how to tune again. They 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 got it. Uh, and that's one I actually run from the smart board and we do it as a class. Awesome. And then I have the kids get up and the kids lead the exercise. And you can you can narrow it down to like five cents. I mean, right. like you can you can make it so hard. It's right. the kids love it. It's so fun. And you know, for all the band and choir people out there, um, and 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 Lee, I say this with total love and respect, is they feel like, oh, here comes the orchestra. They always play out of tune, right? And <laughs> like so harpists, for right? right. And so for <laughs> me as a string teacher, you know, I was like, no, I'm gonna get these kids in tune because I don't want to hear that. You know, I, yeah, amen. I, as a string player, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. When they when when parents and the administrators are like, oh, here come the strings. No, the strings oh, are totally. beautiful. The strings are, you know, is so yeah. Teachers, please try Aurelia first, intermediate level tuning exercise level four, and, and you'll you'll thank Leah and I. In it's amazing. It's amazing. And it really does train their ears and they, they enjoy it. And what's astonishing to me is like, you know, here we this is an inner city middle school group of seventh graders sitting right. around and it's like burr, burr, for like 10 minutes. Right. And they're just so focused on it. They're like. Wait, no, that's sharp. No, that's flat. And it's amazing. Awesome. <laughs> awesome. I love it. And uh, I, I'm glad that, that you found that one too, because it's very cool. Oh, yeah. So I've got two more questions for you, because um, sure. we're just about to run out of time. The first one is the advice question. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, it used to be pre-pandemic when I'd ask teachers advice, there were a lot of music teachers in the world that never used technology. And now that's kind of wrong. Every, every teacher has probably been forced to use it um, right. over the last couple of years. But for you specifically, thinking strings, thinking inner city, what advice would you give to other music teachers who are thinking about incorporating music technology into their programs? I would say first, um there are two considerations when you, when you're thinking about what to do first and the first is what where are the students engaged online because i'm going to guarantee that every kid has to log into something in their other classes that's right that they are doing homework or assessments or something on and if they're logging into that thing and they see all of their classes except yours your class no longer counts wow so I, you need to be present in that space, Yep. whatever it is. I mean, it can be like, you know, post some how-to vibrato YouTube videos on it, but you need to be present there somehow, or, or the kids aren't going to think about you when it's time for homework yep. or any, or, or any, any other time. So just being present in that space is really important. That's where the kids are. You got to meet them where they're at. That's excellent. And then the second thing I would say is, um, examine in your program what is the area that you are struggling to meet the students the students are struggling to get something or you're struggling to meet them or you, you where's where's the struggle and that's the place to start uh you th there's no need to go and put your entire curriculum online in one year i tried to do that it nearly killed me <laughs> <laughs> you know you can start small start by filling one need Yep. Um, whatever that need is. So for example, I had a kid uh, walk in to my class last year. Uh, this was a kid that started remotely and said, 
wow, you know, I've never seen or heard a violin played outside of this room. And I was like, oh, really? Okay. <laughs> so we started doing a musician of the day. So every day at the beginning of class, there is a concert playing and I created you know, a series of slides and I post the slides on their Google classroom and they can always reference them. So they see lots of people playing. Um, and I make sure that that person is somebody that represents who my students are in yep. the room. Excellent. Um, so often people of color, yep. um, I make sure that the instruments that are in the room are represented. I make sure that we cover a whole host of styles, you know, and that's just simple. All that is, is one YouTube video that we look at every day and finds its way to Google Classroom. That can be a really easy way just to dip your toe in the water. But whatever the need is, that's that's where you that's where you incorporate the technology. I, I you couldn't agree more. Incorporate the tool that makes it either more efficient or more effective. That's what you're looking for. Uh, I, I've interviewed a lot of people, Leah, and that is some of the best advice I've ever heard. That is absolutely terrific advice, and I couldn't have said it better myself. So thank you for that. Thank um, you. My final question for you, and I know you've we've emailed over the years, and I, I I'm I'm looking forward to hearing this answer. Is if you could wave a magic wand and have music first or music tech in general do something that it can't do now, what would it be? <laughs> you ready? Yes, I am. Here we go. Because I'm working on developing this myself. All right. Okay. Okay. I want a platform that's based in mastery learning. And I want it to be focused on developing technical skill on an instrument that can then be integrated into an ensemble-based instruction. So the kid logs in, they're at level one, they have a series of things that they do. Kid logs in, they're at level five, they have a different set of things that they do. But at the end of the level, at the end of level one, everyone on all instruments is doing the same thing and we can do it in the same space. That's my dream. Wow. <laughs> you and I should talk. Okay, <laughs> that's a, let's that's do an that. amazing idea. Holy <laughs> mackerel, I love it. Very, very cool. I hope, by the way, Leah, you 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 emailed me a while ago with some things. I'll try doing this. We, we've addressed quite a few of those things. At least I think we have. Oh, yes. And I hope that you love all the string music that we're bringing in. We're, we're adding so much string music this year uh, to practice first. So, you know, I, to everyone listening who happens to be a music first customer, or even if you're not, um, we listened to when our customers and when when Leah sent me an email, I saw your name and I went, uh oh. <laughs> right. I got to, you know, and I, I, I opened it. I read it. I, we talked, you people don't know this, but then that became a meeting with the whole development team and, <laughs> and like, all right, how do we do this? How do we do this? How do we do this? We take that kind of feedback very seriously. Um, but I love that idea. Mastery on individual instruments leading up to ensemble. I love it. I love it. I love it. I'll be in touch, Leah. Excellent. <laughs> so you have a fantastic school year. I, I wish you Thank all you. the best and, and let's stay in touch. And, uh, and, and I can't wait to hear uh, more great things from you and your students. Sounds great, Jim. Thanks right. for having me. You got to take care. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.